Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is called The Art of Belonging, originally produced and published by the Love Rice Podcast. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. So you guys, our Love Rice audience, you are all about digging and discovering new ways of understanding and making sense of our worlds, which is why I think you'll really sink into the greatness of this interview with Dr. Finlayson Five. I mean, editing it, I've listened to it probably five million times, but I, I love it. There's so many good things here. So we're going to talk about one of her formulas for creating equal partnerships in our relationships. Bah! right? So we'll talk in detail about how to make room for two whole people. Well, because last time we talked, I guess, where we ended was, um, this is what I wrote down. I said, we ended where we, in a relationship, were going blind to some red flags from our partner. And because we weren't ready to face what it was that was really in front of us. Um, because we wanted to keep keep a picture alive, keep the picture alive, whatever that was for us. And um, we talked about betraying ourselves, and and I thought a lot about that. And I looked back at my own life and thought, how have I betrayed myself? Mm-hmm. And the list is so long, mm-hmm. you know. And it's really cool to be in the place where I'm at right now because I really feel like I'm waking up to that mm. uh, that that awareness that I had betrayed myself, and now. I want to not do that ever again, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So I want to develop my identity. So let's let's kind of move into that direction. Sure. How do we, I mean, the first thing I thought of was how do I trust my, I mean, how do we develop trust in ourselves when the voices around us can be so different? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, as it, one of my favorite scriptural references is the truth sets you free. And it's a favorite because oftentimes what is a part of our self-suppression is a false picture of ourselves and those that we're in relationship with. You know, I was talking to a client today who has been in a somewhat abusive marriage, quite abusive psychologically, and came out of a family environment that was psychologically manipulative. Um, And she was talking to me about the fact that her mother had really pressured her against marrying the man she married and then once she married him had been demanding the child's loyalty the adult child's loyalty to the mother over the loyalty to the spouse so when i asked her like why do you think your mother was doing that she said her my mother was looking out for my best interests okay my mother wanted me to do what was good for me okay so then i just pushed her on that a little bit so once you made the decision because she's very clear that, that the way her mother pressured her once she was in marriage was very fractu- fracturing. It was depleting. It made her feel like she was trying to, to please a demanding husband and a demanding mother, and it was fracturing for her. It didn't help her kind of figure out what she wanted. And so when I pushed her more on what, why she thought her mother was doing that once she got married, she was able to really get a hold of inside of herself she understood what was motivating her mother it wasn't her best interest and I wasn't leading her on this I was just saying help me understand what did you map about your mother's intentions and she said my mother wanted me to know that she owned me this really came from her I was really struck by how clearly she understood it 
And so I said, I, I would tend to agree with you. How did you see her trying to give you that message? You know, she would basically be punishing energetically when I wouldn't do what she wanted. She didn't want me to to choose my husband over her. You know, she did all these things to keep this alive. So the, so once I, she got a hold of this in the session and started seeing this, and I said, what do you think about the fact that your mother wanted, you know, was doing this? She says, I wish I would not have taken her advice as an expression of what was best for me. To see it for what it was, was what was in her interest because she had encouraged them to buy a house that was close to her, but it wasn't in their interest financially to do it. And she just was recalling these things. And she said, I wish that I had woken up to what the motivations were that were driving my husband and my mom because I was throwing so much of my strength away. So this is my long way of saying that when you're in relationships, it's often easier to suppress yourself to keep equilibrium than it is to wake up to what you actually understand is happening in your relationship and to assert a stronger position because had she stood up to her mom, she would have paid in the cost of equilibrium in the relationship. Her mother would have flipped out. Standing up to her husband was going to be hard because he knew where he wanted her and he was very good at getting her there. She was also very good at being there. She knew how to be there very well. But this was not about she was doing the best that she knew how. And I'm, I'm not trying to be blaming. I'm saying she understood on some level what was happening, but it was so took so much courage to face it that she would rather see herself as defective and deficient, needing lots of advice from people and feeling torn apart internally than to really see who she was in relationship with and who her mother was. So, and you watch her getting a hold of this even in session and you see her just start standing up internally like she's getting more dignity and more clarity that I deserve better than that and I need to do better for myself than to go along with this I like this this is this is this is the problem so we might be in a situation kind of similar to what you're saying there's all this outside pressure and we just decide to sit quiet because it's it's easier than rocking the boat so to speak but like you said, <clears throat> I would like to know how an individual can begin to gain this courage and this dignity that you're talking about. What are the well, steps? Well, one of the ways to get courage and dignity is that it's not good what this client, for example, was doing is not good for her, but it's not good for her mother or her husband either. Hmm. Okay. It's not good to prop up tyrants. It's not good to give somebody the, all the control in a marriage. It's a false form of strength, pseudo-strength. What real goodness is, is loving and making room for two people in a marriage, for example, or in any dual relationship, like a meaning a, a daughter-mother relationship. It would not have been fun, but it is, it, it's recognizing that that's what God and goodness requires, is to say, Mom... If you really want to be a good mother to me, you got to give me the space to work out my difficult marriage. That's terrifying, <laughs> right? Because that's okay, kind so, of one of my why. questions. One yeah, of my questions here was, what if your mom doesn't approve? You know, that's 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 general idea of saying, what if what if someone close to you that you care a lot about doesn't approve of this decision that you make? You stand up, you make your need known, and then 
So then play, play that role of a client here because it sounds like you, you you're, it's familiar to you. Why doesn't mom approve? I think that we are afraid of, um, of breaking the relationship, of, of anger. I think we're afraid of um, being displaced. Absolutely. Our space. I think that, I mean, I can think about my marriage maybe that way. Like I was afraid to stand up because I was afraid of losing what I had yeah. had. Absolutely. What I thought I had. You're, you're absolutely right. So that's exactly what we're afraid of is we would rather be in a one down position than displaced. Mm -hmm. This is how we will, as human beings, we want so much to belong, but we also want to belong to ourselves and often we'll take belonging over belonging to ourselves. And that's the self betrayal right there. Yep, That's that. And the thing is it takes courage to do both. Some people will only belong to themselves, meaning they go around like bulldozers, bulldozing everybody, uh, but they won't really open up and make room for another person. So it, I, they're both, they both require capacity. And so, yes, the reason why saying to mom, you know, mom, I, if you really want to do what's best for me, you will give me more room to develop my marriage that mom's not going to like that. This, the mom I was talking mm -hmm. about earlier is not going to like that because she has no interest in really doing what's best for her daughter. What she has interest in is having a hold of her daughter, especially because the mom in this situation was in a very crappy marriage herself and wanted to take hostages as a form of relationship. And so this wasn't going to go well, and my client knew it. That's why she just went blind to it and underfunctioned mm -hmm. and was very costly for her. Okay, so I, I'm not here to say, hey, this is easy, people. Like, what, what's your problem? Right, that's what <laughs> I, I, I understand. Yeah, I it's really, really hard. It is really hard. But what I would say is, moral, spiritual development takes courage. But it is goodness. This is not doing destruction, even though it feels like that. And mom's going to say that's what it is, or a, or a spouse is going to say that's what it is. This is, in my experience, over and over again. These are the moments where I you just see the moral courage in people that I watch in therapy sometimes where somebody in a suppressed position stands up to their spouse. And the first thing the spouse does that's been on top gets enraged. Like they get punitive, they get angry, they get mad at me because they think I'm, you know, backing up the, their spouse. And you think, and the client who's sort of standing up is anxious Right? And they're hanging on to what they believe is right, even though everything's coming undone. Right? Yes. But this is how development happens. Everything has to come undone if you're going to create something better. So, yeah. This is, this is what affairs often are, is this rupture or like finding out about a spouse's deception or porn use. It's like a rupture and everybody's everybody's anxious. But in my mind, this is like, okay, good. This, this is what <laughs> I'm excited as a therapist. This is when something this different is the gold. <laughs> if, if people will face what's real, as hard as it is, that's when I see people really change. And what often happens in these situations is the spouse leaves angry. They may sometimes say to me, I'm never coming back, whatever. But they go home often, not always, and start to go into a sort of spiritual darkness. They go into that dark night of the soul. They go into this sort of self-confrontation that, oh my gosh, my spouse is starting to see me. I'm starting to see me. I'm starting to see how I've taken advantage. And I have to deal with who I am. I kind of 
a privileged or mean position I've been taking and I need to deal with it. And when that person starts to get a hold of themselves, they become cap- more capable of actually being in a loving relationship, as does the spouse who started to stand up. And then you actually have two people more capable of intimacy. And this is often at the core of relationship, sexual relationship work, is that people are often avoiding desire and their spouse sexually because of good judgment, not because of impairment. It's because they don't want the intimacy that's there. They don't want to feel their spouse because they don't like their spouse or they don't want to be felt because they don't like themselves. So describe that a little bit more. Like people will shut down sex because sex is such a powerful communication system that they kind of, basically it's people not wanting to be known often mm-hmm. or not wanting to know their spouse. It, like if someone doesn't trust their spouse, they'd rather have low contact accommodating sex and say, I did my duty than to really show up, feel who their spouse is and say, I don't like this person or I don't like who we've become. That's, that's kind of intense right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. idea when you're talking about this I can think of a million experiences I've had personally where I felt like okay I I want to be honest with myself about what I need in whatever relationship and I've stood up and said this is this is what I need in the relationship and the person has pushed back with well this is what I need and so then trying to create some kind of understanding between the two of us so there's some give and take but then just having it blow up in your face Mm-hmm. meaning no mm-hmm. resolution. But see, then what I what I would say is really, really important is, is you have to map what's going on. Okay, why is it blowing up? Is it because my spouse knows that I'm no longer going to just be in the yielding position and he doesn't like it? Because then I, I probably shouldn't get intimidated by that because that's not good for him or me. I will resent him and I'll make him pay for it. I'll never want to have sex with him. <laughs> right, that's the uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, and if I don't really buy it now, if I think I actually am taking too much and he's actually having a genuine response that I'm I'm actually asking too much and I think that it's true, then I probably need to reconsider my position. So you're so talking which, about some serious honesty. Absolutely. Like serious clarity and honesty. Nope. Again, the truth sets you free. The truth is not, the truth. Not self-delusions. <laughs> we yeah. love self-deception. We, we do. <laughs> Human beings are so good at it. When I, when I think of, you know, a, a self-deceived person is a client. People are coming in with narratives that give them some version of comfort and stabilize where they are, but they are narratives that limit them from seeing what it is they really need to deal with. So my role is often puncturing their narrative so they can see what they're actually doing. So what, can I ask a personal question? Sure, of course. What do you, what do you do in your marriage to see reality, to be clear, to see the clarity of it? So sometimes if I'm like upset or I'm reactive about something and I know I'm doing kind of an, an old victim-y reaction, okay, <laughs> I'm capable of. You Um, are. That's so good to know. (laughs) (laughs) You're human like the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And that, 
you know, when I'm being my best self anyway, I will tell myself to knock it off and to separate a bit and just I will start with self-confrontation. I think it's always the best place to start. Okay. What I will ask myself is, you know, you know, in those moments you can have crystal clarity, you think, about what exactly your spouse or child or parent or who or coworker is doing wrong. Okay. And in some ways we're dead on, okay, because we are more able to map other people than we are to map ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is just one of the limitations of human humanity. So what I will often do with myself is to say, what am I pretending not to know about my role in these circumstances? Okay, what is my role? How, does it, how am I making it easy for my spouse or my child to do what they're doing? Right, what would it be like to be married to me? How, what if I were in my husband's shoes and I came and said what I just said? What would, what would be my justification for not taking me seriously because it allows me to kind of wake up to what I'm doing Mm. and then if I can get a hold of that reality and there have been times where I've gone to my spouse and just said can you tell me how you see me around this issue what's hard about being with me around this issue what do you see me doing and when he can track that I'm really mean it, that I'm genuinely asking, it's not like a setup or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, and he has the, you know, the willingness to really tell me, it can be very eye-opening in a sobering way. Like, ooh, you know, I thought I was a much nicer person than that. I can see what I'm doing. I can see how, you know, superior I'm acting in that moment. And when you can honestly take that into account, two things happen is that, first of all, it gives you a bigger uh, pool of intelligence in a sense, a pool of information that allows you to be more discerning about what do I think is actually going on? How do we reinforce the limited uh, position that my spouse is taking? right, like in the marriage I was referencing in the client earlier, that she would go into a resentful one-down position Mm -hmm. and he would feel even more superior and more like my wife is just so impaired and just won't give me the kind of love and validation I want. I have a right to be up here. If she would just get it, how she's not loving me well, okay? Mm -hmm. And the more he would take that position, the more she would just resent and retreat, okay? So they would reinforce these polarized, immature positions. Wow. Yeah, I know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the so when you start seeing, look, I'm participating in a dynamic, I see what my role is, then you can go and confront it. So I've often come to my spouse and said, I've been thinking about, you know, the way that I interacted with you a few hours ago, and I recognize this about myself. I can imagine how annoying it is when I come in and I talk like that to you about this issue And I'm really sorry that I do that, right? It's like, I'm just going to own my half of this problem. Not like I do that, but listen, the reason I do it is because you You deserve it, (laughs) which is very tempting. You know, you're, I mean, even when I've been in these conversations, I'll be like going into the, I want to just go into that indulgent, you know, but I'm justified Mm -hmm, and I'm like mm -hmm. dragging myself, kicking and screaming back to the position of accountability. It takes a lot of mental effort. And it does. Can self-control kind of like it does. It, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and that's work. where development happens. 
And so I just like own like this is my I know I've done this. I know I'm doing this and I'm sorry for it. And then if you really own that, honestly, I think you then have the freedom to speak to the larger problem. Because first of all, your spouse trusts that you get your role in it. Okay. And that pressures them towards their accountability. What I see is if I go and I really own my husband, it's just because he's a good guy too. But it's just much harder to not step right there and say, I also know that I'm doing this half. I know I do that too. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it's, it puts pressure. If you want to pressure your spouse or your parent or anybody to, to, to be more accountable, you'd be accountable for yourself. You, you call out what they are getting right about you. If you want to get out of a gridlocked pattern with your spouse, you, you name where they're right. And it's disarming. But it also, it, it's disarming in a really important way because they use what you won't face to justify their position. So it's disarming and it's pressuring for both of you to also see what their role is. Because now you understand more clearly what's really happening. And... If you're dealing with reality, then you can at least not be so controlled by it. You can't change what you can't see. So with my client today that I referenced, you know, when she's getting clear about what her husband's doing, she's not as controlled by it. And she can lay claim she has more ability to now reach for her strength and stand up in a real way with him. Mm. Not a big victim, but to say, look, you know, I have been mean to you. I have disengaged from this marriage for a long time as a way of trying to get back at you and it's been Im- immature. And I'm not going to tolerate you talking to me like that. Right? Like I want a better marriage. I'm not going to keep doing to you what I've been doing. And I'm, I need for you to be respectful to me too. We can do better than this. That's powerful. I have mm-hmm. a feeling a lot of people probably just write that down, <clears throat> put it in their pocket so they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's powerful because you're laying claim to your strength when you stop going into that one down, give it all away and resent mm-hmm. position. You're getting your feet underneath you and you're facing yourself, which when you get aligned internally, you get stronger. Integrity makes you stronger. A house divided falls. So you get aligned internally, you actually are stronger and your spouse feels it. You're not as vulnerable to being suppressed. Controlled or moved around. Exactly. Or, mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh huh. And you're actually giving strength to the relationship, which it desperately needs. It needs our strength. Real strength is making room for whole people. Real strength is to belong to yourself and others and making the kinds of compromises where you have a marriage of two people, not, not one who's on top and one who accommodates and is the support staff for that one. That's the, mod, the traditional model of marriage. But it, it, it creates two impaired people. Two strong people are able to make room for two. But our strength is not self-suppression. That's what we've. That's the lie we've been sold: is that that goodness in women is their suppression. It's becoming like a child, and that's blasphemy. Way I think the the idea that the suppression of self is good is a blasphemy that is alive and well in our culture for women. 
It's at this part of the conversation where I wanted to dig a little deeper. I wanted soul and spirit and guts. And this is where the sense, you know, I want to know where does the sense of self and the sense of togetherness come from? What are its roots? Really um, just ask you, what is your take on spirituality? Well, I think of spirituality, some people think of spirituality as compliance. And the more compliant you are to your religious system, the more spiritual you are. And, and that's not how I see it. I think spiritual development is at its core the forging of moral strength. And what it requires, and, and, and moral strength is the ability, I think at the core of Christianity and probably many faith traditions, is the ability to return love for hate, to metabolize evil and to offer goodness. That's really what I'm talking about in these examples is you see what someone else is doing. You have to confront the evil in what someone's doing to you and maybe what you've been doing back to them and to metabolize that and to find the courage to do goodness in the face of it. And when you're saying that's strong or that's powerful, it's exactly what it is. It's like you're getting your feet underneath you and you're going to do something kinder, wiser and more courageous in the marriage or in the relationship. And so that's what's at the core of spiritual strength. And I think when we think when we talk in terms of becoming more Christ-like or God-like or that's about aligning yourself with what's wise and what's good, being co-creators of goodness. And you can do that in your relationships. You can take what's hard or dark or difficult, really face it with honesty and say, what do I think would be wise, helpful, or good? And do it. That is to belong to yourself and others at the same time. How do you filter through the faith or the culture, the ideals that were given to you, a part of your upbringing, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I'm speaking from my religious language, but, you know, we do believe in the idea of false traditions and hanging on to false traditions in the name of truth. And this is very much what Christ was the most critical of, was that, that the Sadducees and the Pharisees would hang on to these sort of vestiges of religiousness and righteousness, the, the kind of auspices is maybe the word I want, of religiousness and goodness, and that people would use that to kind of prop themselves up, to look like they're really the pillars of the community, when in fact it's vacuous internally. And see, I believe in a God who values integrity over compliance. And so because I believe that so strongly that I tolerate where I'm not compliant, I guess, if that's the right word. I don't know I'm not really not compliant. I'm not, you know, out actively working against anything. But that's not to say I don't value this idea of obedience as I do integrity. Because I think compliance is driven by the need for validation. Mm, yes, it is. And it's also giving somebody else responsibility for your moral decision. Rather than integrity is doing what you really believe is right, even if it looks externally like compliance. Mm -hmm. But you're really doing like, I think this is wise for me to abide this principle. It feels right to me, even if I don't fully understand it. I believe it's right, therefore I'll do it. But that's an act of integrity. 
or just like making a sacrifice in a marriage, it may look like self-suppression, but it's an act of integrity. It's a moral decision that's coming out of your strength, even if you're giving up something that you want, but it doesn't have the suppressing effect of I'll just do it because otherwise I'll look selfish. I'll just do it because that's what I was supposed to do. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and then whenever you resent, you know that's a red flag that you've made a decision and you've given the responsibility of that decision away, either to your culture or your spouse, rather than know what do I choose? What do I believe is right? I'm not going to let myself get away with giving someone else responsibility for my, an adult woman's choice. That's a really good mile marker to be aware yes, of. Absolutely. Hmm, I love that. And I can really see what you're talking about, this integrity piece, how it umbrellas everything that yes. we do. Relationships, yes. voting at the poll, um, yes. religion, uh, you know, experience with my mother or whatever yes. it may be. My, my experience with my seven-year-old yelling that he hates me about is yes. his hair combed. Exactly. Because what's more important than him feeling good about me right now is my responsibility to him. Mm. And so, yes, my integrity has to lead me if I'm going to do right by him. Well, I have a minute left of your time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're is welcome. there anything else you want to say or share with us? No, just that it was fun, fun conversation. It's always good to talk to you. It's always good. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife's online relationship courses, visit her website today and look for the online courses tab where you can find both strengthening your relationship and enhancing sexual intimacy, her two online courses for couples and relationships. You can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website at www.finlayson-fife.com. And in honor of the Christmas season, Dr. Finlayson Fife is having a holiday sale where you can take 20% off all of her online courses and get additional discounts if you buy more than one course. Act now before the sale ends.